2: On this show, I have talked at length about the importance of eating enough protein, but sometimes eating protein throughout the day can be a challenge. However, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts and is the perfect addition to your day. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, over 10% of your daily value. It's one of the highest protein nuts out there. But that's not all. Pistachios are also known for their fiber and better for you unsaturated fats, which we all need in our diet. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on your summer adventures. So, whether you're dropping off the kids or running between meetings, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Thank you so much for tuning into the Balanced Black Girl podcast. If it is your first time joining us, thank you so much for listening. I am so happy to have you here. And if you are a returning listener, welcome back and thank you for coming back and listening to the show again. Before we dive into today's interview, I wanted to share the review of the week. It says, I've never been a podcast person. I've tried to listen to them, but often just end up zoning out, but not with Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I really appreciate and enjoy that the episodes are not all an hour, have various topics and various lengths. It's nice to be able to listen to something short, then have something longer to listen to. Plus, it is great how less really presents so much for people of color. I really enjoy it and hope other people check it out. Thank you so much for this review. I'm honored anytime someone leaves a review and has feedback for the show, but hearing people say, I'm not really that into podcasts, but I still enjoy the show. It's a huge compliment because that just shows that the content really resonates with you. And I appreciate you tuning in, giving the show a try, even if podcasts aren't normally your thing, and taking a moment to rate and review. So thank you so much for this. If you have not yet left a rating and review for Balanced Black Girl Podcast on iTunes, please do so. It is such a huge help for the show, and it is really the best thing you can do to help support the show. So I'm really excited for today's episode with today's guests. That's right. There are two guests today. We are talking to Wendy Lopez and Jess Jones, the registered dietitians behind Food Heaven Made Easy. So I have been a Food Heaven fan for a long time. A lot of you may know in my past that I had gone back to school in hopes of becoming a dietitian. And back in the day, years ago, when I was going back to school to study nutrition, I stumbled across Wendy and Jess's YouTube channel. This was back when they were primarily YouTubers before podcasting and just fell in love with their content. I loved being able to see registered dietitians out there doing their thing who looked like me and have been inspired by them ever since, so I was honored and excited to have them on the show. Also, Food Heaven is one of my personal favorite podcasts, so having them on the show was that much more exciting. They started Food Heaven in 2011 as a creative outlet to get the word out about nutrition and healthy eating, and they're really all about helping people transform the way they eat, make peace with food, and live their best life life so we got tons of amazing nutrition tips from these two they are just a wealth of knowledge and I hope you enjoy the episode without further ado let's jump in welcome back to the balance black girl podcast today I am joined by Wendy Lopez and Jessica Jones registered dietitians and hosts of the food heaven podcast welcome to the show ladies thanks for having us Hey! I am so excited to have you. I know I personally have been a huge fan of Food Heaven for years. I remember watching your YouTube videos back in the day and loved the podcast. And am just so excited to have you. Oh! Thanks for watching. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) course. (laughs) Um. So. If there are maybe some folks out there who are new to you or just now meeting you, can we have each of you introduce yourselves, maybe tell us a little bit about what Food Heaven is all about?
1: Sure, I'll go. <laughs> I'll start. This <laughs> is Wendy, and uh, I am from the Bronx. I'm a registered dietitian and diabetes educator, along with Jess, and Food have Made Easy started, I think it's been eight years now. We were both kind of on our way to becoming registered dietitians. Jess was going to school for nutrition. I was still Figuring things out and so we started working together at farmers markets here in New York City and we would do nutrition education and food demos at the farmers market specifically in the Bronx and the community that we worked in was very low access not a lot of fresh produce available especially back then now there is a lot more initiatives that are happening in the city and we just love working with the community we love the education component and once the season ended we we were just thinking like hey how can we keep this going how can we continue to provide this education and maybe provide it to more people outside of just like the the small community that we were working with so we decided to start recording videos in jessica's apartment at the time in brooklyn and we put out those videos on bcat which is a local tv channel it's local to brooklyn and we did that i think for like a few months and then um eventually they got on YouTube and they started circulating the internet <laughs> and um and it kind of just took off from there so it's been very it's it sort of as a passion project that's grown very organically throughout the years where now we have a podcast like you and we have you know content creation recipe development we do lots of stuff now but that's how it started I'm
0: Jess I'm also a dietitian and certified diabetes educator and similar to Wendy I kind of later in life not that late but a little bit later after I went to undergrad and had a career already in journalism I decided that I wanted to go back to school to study nutrition and I felt like it would be kind of helping people more um, on like a one-on-one basis like doing nutrition counseling and I was really excited about that prospect and also just the nutrition science aspect. At first, I felt like I wasn't a science person and then realized I have an inner science nerd. So it was really fun to go back to school and, um, and learn about like chemistry, organic chemistry, nutritional biochem. And yeah, while I was in school, uh, me and Wendy would work at, for the department of health, the farmer's markets, and just had like a really, a really fun time with the community and, um, made a lot of awesome connections with people and decided that, yeah, we wanted to kind of branch out a little bit. And our business, I mean, at first it was just kind of for fun. Um, And I remember one of my professors in my community nutrition class said that uh, we had to do a project on like coming up with a grant. And so I told her about the concept of doing food heaven and she was like, Oh, I love it. Right. Like do it, write it as a grant. And then when, when I wrote it as a grant, um, she encouraged me to do it. And so, and that was kind of like, as we were already deciding that we kind of wanted to do it. Um, but I feel like that extra push and just like writing everything out was really helpful. Um, but I will say that it, again, it started more as like a side fun project and then kind of grew as a business. If I were to go back, I would maybe start it more as a business first and um and then it, yeah i it wouldn't have taken as long for us to kind of become profitable in the work that we're doing but yeah we kind of try to help people like live their healthiest
2: lives in like a balanced way i love that and Another piece that I love in there was you talking about your career transition so that you didn't start off working in nutrition and both of you ended up kind of going into the nutrition space later, which I think is a really great point for people to hear because I also know I have a lot of... Younger women who listen to this podcast who are maybe in their early 20s or have just finished college and aren't sure what they want to do or feel like the path they've set out on isn't necessarily what they want to stick with. And, and that's good inspiration that you're never stuck in any one place and that you can always pivot to do something more meaningful. Exactly. Yeah. That's
0: yeah. a great point. I was going to say in my classes, there would be women from all ages, even like 50s, 60s. And I feel like it's literally never too late. Even my Mm -hmm. mom. (laughs) It's so funny because she, so I I went to school for journalism and then nutrition. She actually went to, she started, I didn't even know this till like last year. She actually started um, as a nutrition major also and then switched and then switched to journalism. (laughs) Yeah. So funny. (laughs) You flip flopped. Yeah. And now she's like, yeah, she flip-flops. She's really, um, into health and she's, she's like, I want to go back to be a dietitian, but I'm too old. I'm like, no, you're not. There were so many people like your age or older in my program who were killing it. Um, and yeah, it's like never too late to do something that you feel like you might love. Totally. I love that so much.
2: So I would also love to hear a little bit more about your personal journeys with nutrition, especially when you were in the process of getting your nutrition education or becoming more interested in nutrition, if you saw kind of shifts in your own wellness journeys when you started incorporating maybe more whole food nutrition or like physical changes that you saw for yourselves.
1: Yeah, there's been so many, <laughs> uh, like, oh my God, it's been just like so many different transitions and experimentations that have taken place since um, since I became interested in nutrition and just like trying new things and seeing how they've worked for me. I think initially for me, nutrition and wellness came more so from a place of restriction Mm -hmm. so how do i take out this or remove that so that i can be healthier and so it's definitely changed throughout the years where now it's very balanced and it there's kind of a place for most foods i would say they're just foods that i don't like or i'm not interested in eating um but initially, it was coming from a place of like, I'm not eating this because it's not good for my health. And I don't really have that mindset anymore, because I've learned so much about nutrition and so much about the science behind restriction that I'm just not interested in any of that. Um, And so... Yeah, initially, I I was having a few different health complications. And so I wanted to incorporate more whole foods into my diet. Um, And at one point, I just took it a little bit too far where I became like a vegan and I was only eating plant based foods. And I just felt very like, undernourished, and I wasn't happy. And I felt like I had to do that to be healthy. And so that was kind of like one of the phases that I went through and trying to figure out what works and what worked best for me. Um, And it's just kind of fluctuated throughout the years like I said now it's way more balanced um and I think it's really important people always ask us like oh well you know what should I be eating or and it's really about listening to your body and experimenting and finding out what works best for you because it's not just like one formula for everyone um and I've really appreciated that um throughout the years that I've been just like trying new things out
2: I love that yeah Yeah.
1: I was going to just add to that,
0: that, um, I love to eat, (laughs) so that's like end of story period. So it's like, there's, yeah, there's no way that, um, I would compromise like taste of, of the taste of my food or the pleasure that I get from food. Cause I think that when it comes to nutrition and I, I've been like with the clients that I work with, um, kind of trying to illustrate this a lot recently, but just, um, and I did this yesterday, I was saying like, okay, when it comes to eating, um, there's two reasons that you do it. And so, like, there's the nutrition, obviously, like the nourishment, the energy, and there's the pleasure. And when you have too much pleasure, you might not have enough nutrition, right? And you might feel out of out of balance. Um, same thing. When you have too much nutrition and not enough pleasure coming from the experience, then you also feel out of balance. So I feel like everyone's um, journey in life should really be to figure out what that optimal balance is for them, where they're feeling great and nourished and um, and energized, but also that they're having a good time with their meals. And like Wendy said, not being really restrictive. Um, because yeah, I've definitely, definitely gone through a lot of phases. Um, and even with like dietitians, because I think it... I didn't know this until I went to um, to school, and it, it wasn't so much, I don't think, in my program, but I've, I've heard about other programs, like, you know, I, I went to school in New York, but in New York City, um, that a lot of people who might have a history of disordered eating are very attracted to nutrition because it's like, you just get to talk about food all day, especially when I was in school. Now I think there's more awareness of that, and so I think that a lot of the the newer people coming into the field um, are realizing that, and they're definitely more balanced in their approach. But I feel like back in the day it was like, we all on my Fitness Pal, like counting calories every day, and like it was <laughs> it was like a little more intense. Yeah. Um, and so I just like that the direction that I feel like nutrition is going in general is yeah a place of of joy and, and sometimes comfort and pleasure, um, and, and individualized. Cause like what works for Wendy definitely is not going to work for me and vice versa. So I think that's part of the journey that I've gone on. And then I try to help people go on too.
2: I, you know, what I love about what both of you said is really taking nutrition from this idea of something that's either very quantitative or very black and white of this food is good this is bad I can't have this I can't have that to something that is way more qualitative like do I enjoy it how do I feel what is the overall experience around eating and I agree that it's something that I think more people are coming around to but I just really love that you both emphasize that.
1: Yeah, and those questions, I think for a lot of people, we will ask people that we work with these questions and they might sound like very simplistic, but when you start kind of taking off the layers, it's actually very complex, like our behaviors around food and the foods that we choose to have and the reasons why we choose to have them. And so it's a process and it it can take a really long time. Like for me, it took years to really find that sweet spot where I can incorporate pleasure and health and have like a nice fusion of both. And so it's not easy, especially because there's so much external information that we're getting about what we should be eating and the diets that we should be going on and what we should be doing for. So it's just like, it's just so much stimulation. It's overwhelming and people are confused. And so it's totally okay to take your time with this and, you know, to really find what works for you.
2: I'm so glad you said that, Wendy, because I feel like there is so much information out there and as much as i love you know the internet i love social media and instagram i think it has opened up this situation where we're inundated with fads and all of this information that may not necessarily be credible. So if there's a woman who wants to start improving her nutrition, but maybe feels overwhelmed by all of that information that she's seeing, how would you two recommend she get started? And how can she tell if the nutrition information or advice she's receiving is actually credible?
0: That's a really good question. And I, that comes up like, I always have someone who comes in, To my office who is just like, I I have literally no idea what to believe Mm -hmm. at this point and what's real. And like, I'm on this path of like, I think I need to cut out more carbs. It's always like cutting out more and more and more carbs and like fats. And then um, I kind of asked them, okay, well, where, where are you getting this information and what do you feel about that? Is that something you could do forever? Um, does that feel balanced to you? Does that bring, would that bring you joy? And then you start to like unpack the layers that way. But I think in terms of um, the finding credible information, I, I would, you know, maybe look at someone's credentials definitely. So I know um, with dietitians who are giving nutrition advice, Uh, we, you know, definitely have spent a lot of time doing the the research when it comes to, um, you know, different styles of eating and, um, and medical nutrition therapy. So let's say someone has diabetes or someone has, I don't know, acid reflux or IBS or cystic fibrosis, like whatever it is, like we're trained on how to, um, take those evidence-based recommendations and then interpret them and kind of make them accessible for people and and kind of sound bites. So I would say definitely, um, you know, make sure the person is credentialed who is giving the information. Because a lot of times if I go to a dietitian's page, usually, especially now, it's, it's going to be, I could tell cause it's going to be balanced. They're never going to tell you to like cut anything out ever. I'm not a good dietitian. Anyway, they're going to try to help you be balanced. And like Wendy was saying, like have the nourishment with the pleasure. Um, so that's like a place to start when it comes to nutrition and then also think about like our, are they telling you something that sounds really drastic and like, like giving you a solution that's one size fits all? Um, because if that's the case, I probably wouldn't trust it either. So I know there's like been a ton of documentaries out that are like, you have to eat this certain way or, (laughs) or like, you're going to die, you know? So (laughs) dramatic. It's just so unfortunate because it's like, there's, there's also, kind of like cherry picking evidence too. I mean, honestly, truly you can find evidence just really support anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why I'm just a big fan of like, we know that there are certain foods that are beneficial to our health. Like for the most part, those are, you know, foods that come from the ground that contain fiber, that contain vitamins, minerals. Um, we know that we need protein. We know that we need fat. So how do we incorporate all of those things in a way that feels um, balance in a way that we enjoy and so if there's anything that's telling you to cut one thing out and you don't have any evidence or any reason to cut it out I would definitely question that um, and then my favorite guide and it's really simple and I think people come in thinking it's like this complicated thing and they need to have this really specific plan but really it's just the my plate method honestly like for most things which basically um, says make half your plate vegetables, one-fourth whole grains one fourth, um, or what, yeah, one fourth starch, um, and then one fourth protein. If you eat like that, you're naturally going to be eating like a 75% healthy diet, uh, or sorry, plant-based diet. That's going to be healthy. Um, and you can also incorporate some fat into that as well. Um, you can, you know, make that in any flavors that you want it to be, and you don't have to always have to have those specific proportions. Like sometimes I'll say, you know, maybe just you want to make sure that there are some vegetables on your plate, at at least at like one meal a day, you know what I mean? And so I think what matters is um, trying to have that balance and and also what you're doing most of the time versus what you're doing some of the time. Um, So yeah, just be wary of anything that's too extreme. Because likely it's more based on like anecdotal evidence, which is like this worked for me and my mom <laughs> and not really scientific evidence.
2: <laughs> Such good advice, totally. And I I just love the approach of being weary of anything that seems too drastic. Because really at the end of the day, what's gonna work best for most people is what we're able to consistently do, right?
1: Yeah, I love that's like one of my favorite quotes. And there's like a hundred variations <laughs> of that. But- <laughs> Yeah, exactly, like the best thing to do is whatever you can consistently keep up with over time.
2: And so for everyone listening, also make sure that you're following Wendy and Jess Food Heaven on social media because their content is fire. But one of my favorite Mm -hmm. things that I love that y'all do are the weekly meal prep segments, and I know Jess, you post a lot of these where you'll share what you're prepping for the week and it's really interactive with the audience. So for people who may feel overwhelmed by the idea of meal prep or think that that means that they need to like prep every single thing they're going to eat and put it in little tiny containers throughout the whole week, <laughs> what are some of y'all's favorite tips for making meal prep really effective, but also super simple?
0: The Frozen aisle from Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it doesn't have to all be from scratch. So you can definitely, I mean, there's so many things that you can buy that are like pre-chopped or pre-cooked and frozen. Um, like for example, let's say you're feeling overwhelmed with the idea of like cooking most of your meals from scratch. like totally get it. And there's some weeks where I'm just not having it at all. And I will do this. Like I'm, I have a bunch of frozen, um, backup meal even today for lunch. I had one. So I had like these frozen enchiladas. Um, but then I'll try to pair it with some kind of vegetable again, like going back to the, my plate, it just becomes a habit after a while where it's like, okay, I'm having the frozen enchilada, like yum, easy, but I'm also today. I did like a side salad, um, literally like a bag salad <laughs> with some dressing, but um, another day I did broccoli and cauliflower where I just cooked it in the microwave, um, maybe like a cup of that and added a little bit of salt and pepper and olive oil afterwards. And like that's a perfectly good meal. I think that, yeah, with Instagram, it can feel like everything has to be like photo shoot worthy and it has to be like the uh, most amazing thing. And you you have to be spending like 25 hours on a Sunday, which by the way, even though I do the meal prep videos, I'm literally not cooking. I'm not spending more than two hours and it's, it's enough food for me to eat for the entire week for the most part, maybe a couple backup meals here and there, but it's like, I hope people don't get the wrong impression. Cause it's literally like not more, usually it's like an hour and a half, maybe. Um, and so it doesn't feel like a big deal. Cause I know there's people where they might spend eight hours and to me, like that would drive me insane. And I wouldn't be able to yeah. do that. Um, but yeah, I think just kind of, coming up with just some quick things you can throw together, um, in a pinch. So another one of my favorites to recommend is like maybe a microwave potato. I mean, you could bake it, but that's going to take longer. And then adding some cheddar cheese on top with some broccoli, like cooked in salsa, maybe cook that in the microwave. Um, tacos are another really easy one. Like maybe one night a week you do tacos or something and you can kind of mix up the ingredients, but always having canned beans handy is really helpful for that. Um, and then always having some vegetables handy. And if you don't feel like going out and and buying vegetables, or you feel like you're kind of stuck in a rut and you do the same thing, doing a farm box is really helpful. Um, That's like a community supported agriculture where you basically are paying to be a a member of of a farm um, or like a shareholder, I guess, of a farm. And then like every week they, all the produce that they yield, you get a cut of that. and so I feel like that's a really easy way to incorporate more vegetables and have more flexibility and experiment more too. Um, and you don't really have to think about it because they deliver it to you usually. Um, so that's another thing. you can also do if you if you don't feel like you know going grocery shopping every week or that stresses you out, like you can do bulk shopping days like I definitely Um, I'm doing this a lot more recently where it's like going to Costco once a month or like stocking up on non-perishables from Trader Joe's. Um, So, yeah, there's a there's a ton of options. And and really, I guess my my best advice would be try not to do too much too soon. Like if you feel like you're eating out every day, then start literally with maybe cooking one meal a week and getting that under your belt and then slowly maybe add on another meal a week um, until you're feeling that you're
2: in a balanced place that works for you. Love that. Super approachable and doable. And along those same lines, you know, a topic that I'm really passionate about is accessibility when it comes to healthy living, also accessibility when it comes to nutrition and I think we see a lot of things, especially on the internet now with a lot of either supplements or products or things that may feel really inaccessible or may make people feel like eating healthy or having a nutritious diet might be something that needs to be super expensive or is out of reach. Um, So along those same lines, do you two have tips for how to make healthy eating affordable and accessible for people who have all different budgets?
1: Yeah, we're big on sticking to the basics. So hashtag basic. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know if we can curse yeah, on this go podcast. So. Um, but yeah, just sticking to the bare basics. We, I mean, with like all the powders and you know the tonics and whatever, like they're great and they have their benefits. And for people that can afford them, that that is awesome. I prefer not to spend. You know, my money on those things. And just like eating whole foods are gonna give you all of the nutritional benefits that you need. And it's even better because you get things like fiber and you get things like phytonutrients and you get things like water and vitamins and minerals in a fruit and it it comes in its natural form. So we always promote eating whole foods whenever possible or frozen fruit, frozen whole foods uh, works well as well or like any any kind of preserved version of a whole food. Um, And I know that in in low access neighborhoods, it can be a challenge getting quality. Fresh food, And, you know, that was really a big part of the initiative that Jess and I were working with uh, eight years ago. There wasn't really a lot of fresh food options in the neighborhood. Now, thankfully, that's been changing. I think there's been a lot of government initiatives to get fresh food into places deemed like food deserts or like just really poor neighborhoods. Um, So seeing if there is a local farmer's market because they tend to have produce since it's local and it's seasonal, it tends to be at a better price point. Point. You don't have to buy organic if you can't afford it. You know, you're still getting a chunk of nutrients in conventional, just as you would as um, just as you would in organic. So if that is <laughs> (laughs) you know, if that is a roadblock where you think, well, I can only eat organic to eat healthy, you know, try to, try to just get whatever, try to get your hands on whatever produce or fresh food it is that you can get, um, supplements. I mean, that's huge. People are always asking us like, oh, well, should we buy, should we buy supplements? Should we get this or should we get that? And it's really, you know, some people don't need to be taking supplements. It's really very individualized based on your needs. And so we don't want, you thinking that to have optimal health, you have to buy all of these like add on products, they can be great for people if they need them, not everyone does need them. And they can be great for people who maybe want an extra boost of something. But it's very case by case. And, um, and it's not necessary.
2: Totally. And I think what I love about that, and what I love about keeping things simple is just really that underlying message of if if you can't afford the extras or if the extras are inaccessible or if they don't feel necessary, like don't let that discourage you from still making really simple changes the best you can.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: And along those same lines, I mean, a huge inspiration for Balanced Black Girl, this platform, this show, is really representation in the wellness space. And representation in nutrition is something that I think is incredibly important because more so than any other area of wellness, our cultural identity is very closely tied to how we eat. And having representation in the nutrition field to help people understand how to best fuel their bodies in ways that may be culturally relevant to them is really, really significant. So this is more of a broad question, but I would love to hear your thoughts or some insights to your experiences as women of color working as dietitians and why representation in nutrition is so important to you as well.
1: Ooh, so much to say. (laughs) We got
2: time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I was like, how much time we got? Um, So I actually, yeah, I wrote an article about this recently for um, Healthy-ish about just like how wellness should be more inclusive. And I think part of the problem is, yeah, there's like this one dimensional definition of wellness. And we don't all fit into that like that definition um and so i think sometimes people people will feel like they have to do whatever they can to fit into that um and that we're all just like we're all just one acai bowl away from like that six pack or whatever but it's like let's be real like i'm never gonna have a six pack um (laughs) and and that's okay you know and just like kind of um, reclaiming, I would say, like wellness and and nutrition, and realizing that, you know, when you go to other countries um, who haven't really been influenced by the Western world as much, like you will see that they are naturally eating like really nutritious diets that are full of plant um, plant-based foods, um, whole grains, vegetables. Like especially going to um yeah to like places in mexico and there's just so much amazing like color when it comes to foods and kind of reclaiming that and realizing that yeah like you know people of color care about nutrition too and maybe we don't want to have like a cottage cheese bowl i'm not speaking for i'm just saying myself like maybe i don't want a cottage cheese bowl but um there's some you know other things that um that are foods that like you know i find incredibly satisfying and might have some more like cultural significance to them and they can still be healthy. And so I feel like, yeah, a lot of times, even in my past job, patients would come and a lot of my patients were from, um, Mexico and, you know, maybe they like in their culture, they would eat things like tortillas. Um, and so sometimes the medical professionals would be giving them nutrition advice and saying, Oh, you have prediabetes. Like cut out all tortillas now, (laughs) which is so ridiculous. And I feel like so (sighs) offensive and, um, yeah, there's so many things wrong with that statement because it's like, you can totally incorporate tortillas into a healthy diet and also telling somebody to cut out foods that are, um, significant and important to them culturally that they love is not a way that you can, um, connect with them and actually, get them to uh you know to improve their um their blood sugar levels so i think yeah it's just it's a there's a lot of different things at play and even in in other populations that i've worked with i see one of the issues that i see a lot um and these are more folks um that might be like second generation where they are kind of like bombarded like on on social media and in in magazines and things with this, like like I said, the one dimensional portrayal, portrayal of wellness in this country. And um, they're not that, and they probably will never be that, but it's like they kind of internalize it. And I think it can lead to a lot of maybe disordered eating or disordered exercise or having an uh, unhealthy relationship with food that's not really um, talked about, especially in communities of color. And so I think it's just, yeah, it's really important to make sure that we all um, understand that there's no one size
2: fits all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in a previous episode, I talked to Deanna Bellany, one of the co founders of Diversified Dietetics, an incredible organization. I know that, that you two. Um, also do some work with Diversified Dietetics as well, which is wonderful. Really the mission for folks who maybe haven't listened to that episode yet, the mission behind that organization is getting more underrepresented students and people into the dietetics field. So getting more people into the nutrition um, field because right now, at least in the United States, it is disproportionately skews towards like middle-aged white women like some crazy I she told us what that stat was and off the top of my head I can't remember but it was like crazy disproportionate and I remember when I found YouTube and food heaven that was back in your YouTube days because at the time I was going back to school to become a dietitian which is like a whole different story because I clearly didn't finish that um (laughs) oh my god yeah so that was how I that was how I found y'all um And used to watch your YouTube videos back in the day, but I remember feeling so connected to your content because there weren't very many black women dietitians that I could find that were visible out there. And I think that's why I was so drawn to your content, because it was immediately more relatable for me, not even as a nutrition student, but just as a black woman interested in nutrition and so I'm just wondering if you have people that you also look to in the space, and you kind of feel that same connection with, and if that's something that you also think about while you're creating your content.
1: Oh, absolutely! Creating community is huge for us, especially within the dietitian world, um, because, as I'm sure Deanna spoke about, it's there's a huge diversity problem in the field. It's um, not diverse whatsoever, and. I definitely, I, I mean, there were just so many times where I felt so isolated when I did my um, my graduate program. I was one of the only students of color and my campus was in Harlem. It wasn't like in some boondy like suburban town. It was like in a black neighborhood. Um, and it was just really frustrating. And, um, and so we've always been really intentional about, building community, about being very inclusive, not just of people of color, but of marginalized people who usually don't see themselves represented through wellness. Um, And so there's different ways that we've gone about that, but access is huge. We started off working with really poor people here in the Bronx, and so we were always very intentional about the ingredients that we use in our recipes, trying for the most part to use ingredients that people can and find in their local supermarket um, images, even in the images that we use, making sure that there aren't like, it, it's so funny, this is like kind of related and kind of not related but we we wanted to like produce these food videos and we were going to collaborate with someone to get them done and they sent us some samples of their work and like it was white Mm -hmm. hands that was like preparing the food video And we're like um you know that's Mm -hmm. not going to work like we need we need some black hands on there that are going to represent us and a lot of the people that come to us um so that they can see themselves through our content and they like it was hilarious because we gave them that feedback we were like you need to find a person of color to do these videos and they like edited the coloring in the video where it was like still the same white hands but it, it was like orange
0: <laughs> I, think, I think they put makeup on the hands oh my actually God. yeah they
1: put like makeup and we were yeah. like boo boo that's not gonna work we yeah it so bad. <laughs> yeah it was just bad it was just bad we're like no that's just not <laughs> that's just yeah. not gonna work um so little things like that I mean they're not really little things though just you know making sure that we're every everything that we rep- that we create and that we represent we want to make sure that it's speaking to people that look like us and people who are marginalized but then this whole like wellness culture that's Really annoying a lot of times, so
2: yeah. Well, and I think I actually love that you shared that story in that example because it's something that even just looking at the hands preparing the food in a video, while it's something super small, I know that for me, even just as a consumer of that type of content, I notice all the time like I notice when a brand constantly only has white hands. Or I notice if I go to a brand's Instagram page, what the representation looks like. And even though it's kind of small instances overall, those small instances shape our beliefs. And it is still really important to be aware of even those little nuanced details.
0: Yeah, I was gonna add to that. Um, It's so crazy because I was looking through a magazine, it may have been Bon Appetit and, they're, they were doing like a spread and um like some cooking spread and it wasn't like a traditionally like black theme like barbecue or whatever it was just like a uh yeah just an everyday cooking spread and there were black there were like black male mm-hmm. hands mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god i've never seen black male hands used casually in anything ever especially related to food and i showed my husband i was like babe what do you notice about this spread? And he was like black hands. Mm-hmm. And I'm like why is that like such a thing that like for me it like lift, lifted my spirits which was also like at the same time kind of sad because it's like it's so infrequent and it's so noticeable and it made and it was so mm-hmm. beautiful though like mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I feel like it, it. added so much color to the to the spread, and like they were the way that they edited it looked really good. And I'm like, dang, why don't more brands just get it? Like, step outside the box a little bit, because I think it's like also really good for business oh, too. Oh, totally.
2: And it's it's one of those things that I think a lot of brands, and even probably like that video production company that you're working with, right? It's like the thought doesn't even occur to them until we speak up and say something about it or make that request and that in and of itself is a problem like brands and companies and people providing these services need to be able to recognize and realize that without us having to ask all the time
1: exactly and I think that that's why it's so important that we do the work that we're doing within wellness because it's important that we change the face of wellness, that we change what people think wellness looks like and that it doesn't just have to be like these skinny white hands that are preparing like whatever is considered to be healthy food. It can come in so many different shades. It can be so many different types of food. It doesn't just have to be like kale and quinoa. It can be, it can be a range of different cultural foods. So that's why it's really important that we do this work. I love that. I love that so much.
2: Well, I would also love to transition and get maybe a little bit more personal. Not not too crazy personal. We're not going to get all in your business, Um, but (laughs) (laughs) I, I love hearing from people who work in the wellness space, especially with you two being dietitians and you still do have jobs that are very patient facing as well. Um, and people in more kind of service type industries, what you do to take care of yourself. So I would love to hear from each of you, maybe a little bit about what each of you like to do for self-care to make sure you're taking care of you.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> wanna go Jess? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, I like to sleep. <laughs> I literally like right before this interview, I woke up from a nap. <laughs> I was like, let me get up into this podcast interview. <laughs> but, yeah, I I love sleeping. Um, I sleep a lot, like, eight hours every night, and then I take naps throughout the day. Uh, and, and let's see, I love cooking for myself. I mean, it's very basic. I don't have, like, this, you know, detailed, like, self-care routine, but it's just really the basics that are really important to me, spending time with the people that I love, um yeah, I like doing like a lot of home stuff, like redecorating my space and, um, DIY projects and yeah, that's pretty, I think that's really, it. Yeah.
0: let's see. For me, I also love to sleep. Uh, I definitely need eight hours at the minimum. And if I don't get it, like last night I got seven, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so <laughs> off today. Um, <laughs> So I, I would say that's absolutely like number one, if that doesn't happen, it's just not happening. Um, and then I I also have been trying to, um, which sounds like so woo woo and ugh, but it's been helpful, um, like journaling, and it's not that woo woo, but journaling and um, a little bit of meditation. Like I use the apps, uh, let's see, which ones am I using now? It's called Simple Habit is one, and then Calm I really like. Um, I watch ASMR videos to fall asleep (laughs) Um, and what else I have like sorry it's so loud I have a massager um, that I do like sometimes it's part of my morning routine which is when I try to do like the meditation a little journaling a little reading I have this like kind of um, motorized back massager that's Mm -hmm. amazing it's like the best purchase I've made all year (laughs) and yeah, my, one of my patients put me on because she's doing it as part of her Love self-care. It. So that's really nice. And I think for me, I just can't do too much. Um, I'm more, yeah, I'm more introverted. And so even if my mind um, can go, you know, uh, a mile a minute, it's like sometimes my body can't and realizing that and kind of having respect for, um, yeah, like Wendy was saying, like maybe I just... I need a nap in the middle of the day to like recharge. Maybe I can't just like work for twelve hours straight. Um, so those kind of things. And yeah, and then fitness. Like I'm obsessed with with fitness that I enjoy and I like switching it up all the time. So it's like I'm always into something different. Um yeah, those are my thing. And then obviously like yeah, loved ones and I gotta travel mm. too. So, I'm not traveling. It's
2: like something's wrong, so good. Well, first of all, <laughs> the two of you are travel goals because I watch y'all travel and often get very jealous. <laughs> oh. but i uh, i I actually love all of that and love that. Self care doesn't have to be something super fancy or that you need an elaborate routine around. In fact, I think a lot of the issues that a lot of women can run into with self care is that, like, not even making sure our our basic needs are taken care of. Like, am I rested? Am I well fed? Have I cleared off my plate enough to, like, give myself a moment to slow down? Am I spending time with the people I love? Like, those are all amazing forms of self care that I think can be really easy for people to overlook. So I'm glad that you both really emphasize those things.
1: Yeah. And also, I think when when self-care is like when you overthink it, it just becomes like another thing to stress Mm -hmm. out about. So especially now in this culture of like, you have to take care of yourself and you have to set and it's like, oh, my God, now I'm stressed (laughs) out about not like centering myself and not like so it's I think simple is best. And then whatever you can add on without it being like another thing to add to the to-do list that's gonna stress you out, then go for it. So good, so good.
2: Now it's time for my very favorite question, and I would love to hear from each of you on this, is what does being a balanced black girl mean to you? Mm, Well, let's see, what does being a balanced black girl
0: mean? Well, I think one of the things I'm really focused on is value-based living and i think that instead of having your goal be a six-pack you know like that's what you're achieving for in life i think um thinking about what are your values so i know for me <laughs> um, my values are like creativity and connection and balance and um and health and so i think thinking when thinking about being a balanced black girl, I have to think of like, okay, what are my values? And am I uh, making an effort to live out those values, um, on a daily basis? Cause then there's never really a destination. It's always just a process. Um, and, and yeah, whenever anything feels out of balance, like for me, I'll try to do, um, kind of what I can to get back to my, um, my happy place and in equilibrium. And I think just like from the previous question you asked, like all of those things, um, which I would call, and I'm stealing this from another dietitian, Rebecca Scritchfield. She has like a body kindness blueprint, um, exercise where it's like thinking about, okay, how do we, instead of like trying to fight our body and our weight and our shape and all these things that we're taught to do in our culture, how do we, um, be kind to our bodies? (laughs) And, and sometimes like within within thinking about balance, um, a, a key component is rest and knowing when it's time to rest and, um, and maybe not like workout or not meal prep. Um, and knowing, because knowing that if you were to do that thing, it might like push you over the edge. So I think for me, it's, yeah, it's like finding that, that blueprint, which honestly, for me, it, it changes like all the time, like every couple months, like if my, my body's feeling this, like, you know this couple months great but sometimes it's like oh that's too much like this is where I'm at right now um and I think just having the flexibility is key and not being like too rigid and like Wendy said yeah like not getting too stressed out with um with the things that you're you're trying to do for wellness my other favorite quote is um from Gretchen Rubin and she's she says make sure what you're doing to feel better doesn't make Mm, you feel worse
2: that's good mm -hmm. I love it so
0: good
1: (laughs) Yeah, for me it's it's pretty similar. I think just being very attuned to how I'm feeling in the moment and that changes a lot for me um, just because I'm naturally a very moody person. (laughs) So I just have like so many emotions, Jess and I are both cancers Mm -hmm. and I'm just like the truest cancer you'll ever (laughs) meet. So I'm just like, I'm very emotional. I'm very like, I'm always feeling like I'm always in my feelings. (laughs) So it just changes like literally every other day. It's like, you know, so just being attuned to that. And I do do this, um, 10 minute, like just silent meditation practice that's, really helped me with this just like really listening to my body and listening to what it is that I want for the day fluctuate so much Um, and just you know taking away judgment because sometimes what you want may not align with the goals that you set for Mm -hmm. yourself whether it be like your health goals or your personal goals or whatever and so just removing judgment and being okay with that you know that things don't always have to make sense they don't always have to um they don't always have to be like in perfect order Mm
2: That's so good, and Wendy, I actually love that you touched on the emotional component of that. Cause I have asked this question a lot of times, and I don't know if anyone has ever said that. But I think it's also really important to be in tune with your emotions and to know where you're at and know how to listen to yourself and give yourself what you need at any given time. So, you know, you described yourself as a moody cancer, but I'm I'm here for it. I think that that's that's important. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm here for it, too. I'm all about the moody cancer. I'm just, you know, I'm just putting that out there because it just changed. I think there are people that are way more um, stable in their emotions. And for me, it just fluctuates so much. So I've learned to just really kind of ride those waves to figure out what works best for me in the moment.
2: It's so important. So ladies, what is next for Food Heaven Made Easy? What do you have coming up and where can we find you? Well, let's see
0: what is on the horizon. So we are, we have our podcast. Um, We are getting ready to record our next season. And our podcast is called the Food Heaven Podcast. We also are coming out with a, Program um, that's going to be like the best of Food Heaven program. So it's literally every single thing we've ever done and like 10 times more just put all in one place um, where we have like, we have a signature course called Walk Into Wellness. Um, We have a bunch of different kind of like when when I mentioned values-based living, um, a bunch of different like videos, handouts, worksheets on different values people can focus on. So that's something that's going to be coming out soon as well it's um yeah it should be coming out in the next couple of weeks and yeah I think those are kind of the main things that we have going going on Wendy is there anything else that I'm
1: missing I think that's that's it oh our website um, <laughs> oh so, you haven't easy. <laughs> com. Yeah, haven't
0: easy. <laughs> and then I, I would say we're most active on the gram so if you're feeling social we're um at
2: Food Heaven show. Love it. Well, that sounds amazing. We'll make sure we definitely have your website, your podcast, and the program linked in the show notes because by the time this episode comes out, that should be available. And just knowing the amazing work that you two do, I know that the best of program is going to be incredible. So we'll make sure we have that for our audience. Cool. Thanks. you're so sweet <laughs> well thank you both so much for joining me on the show today as always I loved chatting with you and am just so excited for this episode yes we're so excited us. yeah so excited to Definitely. be on
1: and if you guys haven't Listen to the podcast episode that we did with Les. Make sure you hop on our podcast because she spoke about creating a very reasonable, accessible fitness mm. routine, um, and it was excellent. <laughs> so you should thank link you. it so your listeners you can listen to it too because oh, it was thank really you. good. Yes, yeah. we will
2: have that episode linked in the show notes as well. Thank you.